Hello everybody, this is Sanjeev Kumar, founder of Continuum Research, and this is my podcast, The Entropic Condensate. Today I am going to talk about a basic question that arises every now and then, and the students and learners of physics, uh, they ask, how does the fabric of space-time expand faster than the speed of light. So before I begin what exactly this means, I would like to thank Ethan Siegel, uh, who is a major contributor and science communicator at various forums. So the entire idea has been derived uh, from his uh, tutorials, lectures, and contributions. So let's talk about the basic problem. One of the fundamental rules we all learn in physics, set forth by Einstein more than 100 years ago, is that there's an ultimate speed limit that everything in the universe must obey. That is the speed of light. And that fundamental speed is nearly equal to 3 into 10 to the power 8 meter per second. The speed at which all massless particles must travel through the vacuum of space. If you have mass, you can only approach, but never reach that speed. If you travel through a medium instead of a vacuum, you can only travel slower than that ultimate cosmic limit. But if that is true, then how come we can see objects in our universe which began with a Big Bang, say some 13.8 billion years ago, that are up to 46 billion light years away. That's at the heart of Robert Lipinski's question, which asks, why does the fabric of space and time expand faster than the speed of light? It is one of the most difficult concepts in all of physics to understand. But we are up to the challenge to find out why. When Einstein put forth the notion of spatial relativity in 1905, it was as straightforward as it was revolutionary in nature. It began by considering a phenomenon we have all interacted with, light wave. For many decades, Einstein and his contemporary had known that light is an electromagnetic wave an energy-carrying wave with oscillating in-phase electric and magnetic fields. And in vacuum, it always moved at the same speed, the speed of light. This last part was the most troubling to the scientists. If you were on a train moving at, say, 161 kilometers per hour, and you threw a ball at 161 kilometer per hour, in the forward direction, that ball could move at 322 kilometers per hour from the perspective of someone on the solid ground. But light didn't work that way. It always moves at the same speed through the vacuum of empty space from every perspective that could be imagined. This was demonstrated to great precision in the 1880s by scientist Albert Michelson and his assistant, Edward Morley. 
In their experiment, they took a beam of coherent light of same wavelength and passed it through a beam splitter, a device that splits the light into two perpendicular components. The light then travels down both paths of identical lengths until it strikes a mirror, reflects back, and gets recombined to create an interference pattern. Now, here is that key point. If one path is shorter than the other, or if the light moves faster or slower in one direction than the other, the interference pattern will shift. This happens to enormous precision in the LIGO and Virgo gravitational wave detectors, where passing gravitational waves change the path length of the two different directions. But even with the motion of the Earth relative to the Sun at around 30 kilometers per second, the interference pattern seen in Michelson-Marley experiment never changed. This taught at something incredibly important. The velocity of light is independent of any relative motion through space. No matter who you are, where you are, how quickly or in what direction you travel through the universe, you will always observe all light waves traveling through space at that same universal speed light limit the speed of light in a vacuum which is 3 into 10 to the power 8 meter per second if you and the source move away from one another the light's wavelength get red shifted if you mutually move towards one another the wavelength gets blue shifted but the speed of light itself never changes through the vacuum of space this idea was revolutionary. When Einstein proposed it, with many professional physicists, wrongfully though, resisting it for decades, the opposition made it no less true, however, but the big prize still remained to incorporate gravitation into the equation. Before Einstein, gravitation was a New Newtonian phenomenon. According to Newton, space and time were absolute rather than relative entities. The gravitational force of attraction between any two masses had to propagate infinitely fast rather than limited by the speed of light. The bigger revolution that Einstein brought to physics was the overthrow of this picture of gravitation. Sure, you could use Newtonian gravity as a very good approximation for almost all conditions, but in situations where matter or energy passed close to a large mass, Newton wouldn't give you the correct answers. Mercury's orbit persists more than Newton predicted. Light passing close to the sun during an eclipse bent by a greater amount that Newton could explain. As the evidence clearly showed, Einstein's general relativity, where mass and energy curved space and that curved space determined the motion of mass and energy had superseded Newtonian gravity. This new conceptualization of gravitation and of the fabric of space and time itself brought another revelation along with it. The fact that the fabric of the universe, if it was full of roughly equal amounts of matter and energy everywhere, could not be static and unchanging. Instead, as observations as early as 1920s began to definitively show 
there was a systematic relationship between an object's distance from us and the amount that its light was observed to redshift. Sure, galaxies move through space relative to one another, but only at speeds up to few thousand kilometers. Yet when we view the actual redshifts of distant galaxies, they correspond to recession speeds much, much greater than those values. The reason we are seeing these cosmic redshifts scale with distance, as scientists quickly came to realize, is because the fabric of the universe itself is expanding. Just like raisins in a leavening loaf of raisin bread dough, that every galaxy in the universe all see the other galaxies moving away from them, with the more distant raisins or galaxies appearing to move away faster rates. But why is this? It isn't because the raisins are moving relative to the dog that they are embedded in, nor is it because the individual galaxies are moving through the fabric of space. Rather, it's owing to the fact that the dog itself, just like the fabric of space itself, is expanding, and the raisins or galaxies are just along the ride. Meanwhile, because these objects are galaxies, they are filled with light-emitting stars. They emit light continuously from the moment they first turn on. But we can only observe them from the moment that light first arrives at our eyes after a continuous journey through the universe. Not the Newtonian universe, mind you, the expanding Einsteinian universe. This means that there are galaxies out there whose light is only just now arriving here on Earth for the first time. After making a continuous journey through the universe for more than 13 billion years, the first stars and galaxies formed just a few hundred million years after the Big Bang, and we have discovered galaxies from as far back as when the universe was just 3% of its present age. And yet, that light has been so severely redshifted by the expanding universe that the light was ultraviolet when it was emitted, but is already far into the infrared by the time we can observe it. If we were to ask from our perspective what this means for the speed of this distant galaxy that we are only now observing, we would conclude that this galaxy is receding from us well in excess of the speed of light. But in reality, not only is that galaxy not moving through the universe at a relativistically impossible speed, but it's hardly moving at all. Instead of speeds exceeding 3 into 10 to the power 8 meter per second, the speed of light in vacuum, these galaxies are only moving through space at around 2% the speed of light or less. But space itself is expanding, and that accounts for the overwhelming majority of the redshift we see. And space doesn't expand at a speed. It expands at a speed per unit distance. A very different kind of rate. When you see numbers like 67 km per second or 73 km per second, the two most common values that cosmologists measure, these are the speeds kilometer per second per unit distance or about 3.3 million light years. So the restriction that nothing can move faster than light only applies to the motion of objects through space, the rate at which space itself expands. 
this speed per unit distance has no physical bounds on its upper limit. It might seem strange to consider all that this implies because we have dark energy, the expansion rate will never drop to zero, it will remain at positive finite value. It means that even though only 13.8 billion years have passed since the Big Bang, we can observe light from objects that are already 46.1 billion light years away. And it means that beyond a fraction of that distance, about 18 billion light years, no object launched today from Earth could ever reach it. But no object is actually moving through the universe faster than the speed of light. The universe is expanding, but the expansion does not have a speed. It has a speed per unit distance, which is equivalent to frequency or an inverse time. One of the most surprising facts about the universe is that if you do the conversions and take the inverse of the expansion rate, you can calculate the time that you get out. The answer, approximately 13.8 billion years, which happens to be the age of the universe. There isn't a fundamental reason for that fact. It's just a fascinating cosmic coincidence. So, uh, this podcast uh, episode just try to uh, make the learners of physics understand a basic question uh, whether any object in this universe can be faster than the speed of light or how does the fabric of space-time expand faster than the speed of light. I would once again like to thank Ethan Siegel for major contributions in physics communication. Thank you for listening. And uh, if you like this podcast, I would request you to share it on various platforms so that others can also listen to it. Thank you so much.